He happened to have a friend who was a, on a plant-based diet. She told him, well, you know, you have nothing to lose. I mean, you've been struggling with Crohn's disease for more than two years now. So he was up for that. And guess what? He experienced a complete remission. And he was also able to get off all his medications. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. On today's show, we are going to be talking about a disease that is affecting millions of people across the world. And here in the U.S., it's about one out of every 300 who have it. We're going to be talking about Crohn's disease, specifically, though, about a very promising study that may be the key to finding relief and possibly even full remission. Dr. Hanna Kaliova will join me in just a minute with an intriguing case study of a young man who was able to eliminate all of his symptoms by adjusting his diet. And here's the really interesting thing. Really, for him, things only truly improved all of the way after he switched to a plant-based diet. It got a far better response than just the medication alone. And this is a young guy, too. He was a med student. So Dr. Kaliova, she will be here with his incredible story and to take us through the what, the when, and the how of Crohn's disease. So brace yourself because there is fun and fascinating science ahead. And then we are going to welcome Greg Roseboom to the show. And Greg is a gentleman who founded a chain of plant-based restaurants because he just wanted to have a place that he could feel good about when he was taking his family out to eat. And really, he opened the first store in a place where there weren't any healthy options or eco-friendly options available, let alone anything that was vegan. And then Greg, he had an epiphany one night after his son accidentally left the water running and how that equated to the amount of water it takes to produce a single pound of ground beef. So that story coming up in just a little bit. But first, Dr. Hanna Kaliova and Crohn's disease. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll. I'm really, really looking forward to this next segment because this is brand new research that's being done. This case study is very promising for people who are living with Crohn's disease. It is absolutely no fun, but now we have a case study of a young gentleman who really modified his diet and has found great success with uh, his Crohn's disease. Matter of fact, it's in full remission. And a person who knows all about that is our director of research here at the Physicians Committee, Dr. Hanna Kaliova. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Chuck. This is a really exciting case study, is it not? Absolutely, yes. Before we get into it, Let's go through the nuts and bolts of Crohn's. Let's, for those who aren't familiar with it, what is it, first of all? 
Yeah. Crohn's disease is a chronic inflammatory bowel disease. So um, how do you know you you might have it, right? Uh, so you may experience diarrhea, weight loss, flu-like, uh, flu-like symptoms, um, and uh, your abdomen might be hurting. Um, and... Uh, Sometimes it takes some time uh, to really figure out it's Crohn's disease. The diagnosis is made uh, through um, um, uh, colonoscopy, mm-hmm. and then you also need to do a biopsy, um, and then the diagnosis can be verified. It, it is just absolutely no fun. I had a friend, and um, we would make these long drives to New York to Pennsylvania, to, you know, North Carolina, you know, three, four, five, six hours a clip in the car. And out of nowhere, from time to time, it would just seem like, boom, she would Mm. get stricken by, uh, you know, a flare up of of Crohn's. And it was like, if we did not pull over, if we did not find a rest area, rest area stat, it was going to be a real big problem. This disease is a major inconvenience for people, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's very characteristic that there are uh, some bouts of like heavy symptoms and then some um, remission-like periods where, you know, these people live like without any disease. Mm-hmm. However, we need to realize that the, the segments in, in your colon or uh, through, throughout your gastrointestinal tract uh, are inflamed. So uh, the more uh, flare-ups you experience, the higher your likelihood of um, restricting and um, uh, experiencing some uh, restricted areas, which may uh, result in the necessity of some surgery. And, And how many people live with Crohn's disease? How many diagnoses are there? Uh, about one in 300 people uh, in, in the United States and in Europe. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's a higher number than you would expect, yeah. you know. So that, there's a good chance that you know somebody with Crohn's in your life. And also this disease affects younger people. Mm. So the average age um, at the diagnosis of Crohn's disease is 40 years. Mm. Okay. It's, and, and, well, my friend was actually younger than that mm-hmm. uh, by quite a few years at the time. So that's, yeah, that's, that's not out of bounds. 40 yeah. is an average. So it can affect a person who's 20, you know, and of course, also someone who's older. Do we know what causes this? Does it kind of strike at random? Or so we what don't know exactly. There are more, um, more factors that influence um, the development of Crohn's disease. Uh, we know gene- genetics plays some role, mm-hmm. uh, but also the diet and gut microbiota play a major role. Uh, there's an imbalance in gut microbiota in Crohn's disease. Um, one of the bacteria that overgrows uh, in Crohn's disease is Escherichia coli, coli um, E. coli. That's, mm-hmm. uh, the same bac- E. coli that would make you sick? Uh, there are more, more kinds, uh, and exactly, it doesn't sound like a healthy bacteria, does it? No, not at all, <laughs> not at all. Um, so we we, we kind of ran through what the flare-ups are like and, and what we know as far as cause just now. But what's the prognosis then for somebody that's diagnosed with Crohn's? Is it kind of a grim prognosis or what, what are they looking for? Uh, 
so about half of the people who are diagnosed with Crohn's disease need a surgery within 10 years of diagnosis. And what would that surgery correct? Uh, the surgery would, co so when there's inflammation in different parts of your gastrointestinal tract, uh, then, uh, you know, the, uh, the areas get like more constricted and more constricted, which causes problems with, uh, you know, the passage of food. Mm -hmm. And then a surgery is a, is a necessity all of a sudden. So uh, basically you need to remove these areas and just, yeah, and just connect the ends end to end. Um, yeah. That sounds like a very serious type of surgery. So, yeah. Sometimes it's also called salami surgery. Um, because, you know, you go for one surgery, but then next year you may need another one. And obviously, that's, you know, not the best solution. Yeah, I was I was just going to ask if, if there were, would be more than one surgery involved because of mm. the average age of diagnosis is right around right. 40. And you might right. need this within 10 years of diagnosis. Well, you still have quite right. a few years ahead of you. So two, three, mm. maybe even four surgeries, not out of the realm of possibility here. Right. No fun. What do we know as far as the triggers of these flare-ups? Is there something specific in the diet now that we're kind of keying in on that is kind of causing this? We know uh, that uh, the prevalence of Crohn's disease is higher in the Western countries. Uh, so um, it's highly probable that the Western diet really increases the prevalence of Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. uh, it also uh, causes um, the condition called the leaky gut. The high-fat diet disrupts the tight junctions in your gut and uh, enables, uh, you know, different inflammatory cytokines and even bacteria uh, enter your bloodstream. And uh, that's one of the main uh, pathophysiologic mechanisms behind Crohn's disease. So if somebody's eating this, the standard American diet, the Western diet, if, if you will, that's, that's uh, you know, low in nutrients, high in fat and calories, um, is there a likelihood that somebody with Crohn's then would also have other issues like diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, things of that nature? Yeah, the same diet uh, increases your likelihood of cardiovascular disease and diabetes and other inflammatory diseases. You can also uh, get an autoimmune disease, for example. So before we get into this case study, other than the surgery, I mean, what is the course of treatment for Crohn's at this moment? Uh, there are anti-inflammatory drugs that are being used in, in, in the treatment of Crohn's disease. Uh, some of them need to be administered uh, IV. Mm. So you need to come in uh, every couple of weeks for an effusion. Um, you know, it's it's biological treatment, so it's great that these options uh, are being offered to, to patients. Sure. Uh, and uh, especially if this treatment leads to a remission, um, then, you know, it's wonderful. However, uh, the success rates are not as great. Uh, so there's still room, you know, for something basic like a dietary change, right? Right, right. There's nothing basic about a dietary change. I mean, for so many of us, that's a major overhaul, you know? But it's like at the basic level that's often often overlooked. Right, you know? absolutely. Like many people think about like, okay, what, what other drugs can we use? 
well, you know, let's change the diet first. Yeah. See how much we can achieve through dietary change. Right. And then let's explore our next options, right? right? That's that whole treat the root cause versus mm-hmm. treating the symptom uh, debate right there. Uh, so that is that is very interesting to me. Now, the prospect or the idea of having to go in for this infusion every couple of mm-hmm. weeks for the rest of my life that's just not all that appealing. Right. So knowing what I know, I would absolutely try to modify my diet first, you know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just going to lower your quality of life. I mean, what if you want to go on an exotic vacation where you're out of the country for right. a month? You know what right. I mean? What are you going to do? So let's try to modify that diet. And that's what this person in your case study did. So mm-hmm. talk to me about this case study. Who is this gentleman? What did we learn? Uh, this gentleman was a medical student. Uh, he was 25 years old, and he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So he was losing weight, felt really miserable, tired all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, he went through all the procedures and uh, colonoscopy and biopsy, and Crohn's disease was verified. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they started the treatment. He got the best treatment ever, the biological treatment with the IV infusions, uh, however, no remission of the symptoms. Uh, a slight slight improvement, however, the, the abdominal pain was still killing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the, the severity of symptoms um, would still be rated at a 5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was like, you know, an improvement, but still it's the not, symptoms yeah. were limiting. Not right? a lot of fun, yeah. How, how can you study when your stomach hurts? Exactly. You know, when you feel like you have a flu, when you are tired all the time. Uh, so slight improvement, but no remission. Mm-hmm. And he happened to have a friend uh, who was on a plant-based diet. And uh, she told him, well, you know, you have nothing to lose. I mean, you've been struggling with Crohn's disease for more than two years now. Why don't you try a whole food plant-based diet? Um, Why not? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you have nothing to lose, right? Right. (laughs) You have everything to gain. So he was up for that and uh, tried a whole food plant-based diet. And guess what? He experienced a complete remission. Really? And a year after he switched to the plant-based diet, he was also able to get off all his medications. And his the score went down to zero. No kidding. With no medications. Wow. And he tested out that that's the, it is really the diet. Because on occasions, like social events and stuff like that, he would like, you know, cheat a little bit. He's 25. What are you going to do? Right. Exactly. And of course, he experienced some of the symptoms again. However, when when he was, uh, you know, a good boy again, (laughs) he was adhering to the diet again, then the symptoms just disappeared. So this is a 25-year-old medical student. I would imagine then this was quite quite the fascinating case for everybody he was working with in in medical school and his, uh, you know, his peers in school. I mean, did this guy kind of become a a little mini celebrity in his circles? (laughs) I mean, here he is published in the journal Nutrients, and we're talking about him on the podcast here. Yeah, exactly. He's becoming famous, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's pioneering for, you know, all the people who've been struggling with Crohn's disease. This is important for everyone to know that a complete remission is possible through Mm. a whole food plant-based diet. When you say complete remission, 
I would suspect that if you know he, if he falls off that food wagon and you know eats something right. or drinks something he shouldn't, it'll flare right back right. up though, right? Right. Okay. Well, this is very promising. It's uh, it, it's one case, and I would assume then that you would still want to do a lot more research on this, correct? That's correct. Uh, there's one study with a vegetarian diet that's like a pilot study. Uh, they um, took 22 people mm-hmm. with Crohn's disease and uh, put them on a, on a semi-vegetarian diet. Uh, so the diet was whole food, uh, plant-based uh, for the most part. However, it still included some eggs, even fish several times a week. Mm-hmm. So it was a semi-vegetarian diet. And a complete remission was reported in 92% cases. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So diet is very powerful. That's cool. I mean, I would love to see continued research on that, um, you know, some more cases without the eggs, without the fish, and, and really Absolutely. see what happens. I mean, that, that seems to be really kind of fascinating to me. Um, the other thing that I'm thinking is Crohn's being so tied to inflammation, and one of the things that we hear so much about with the plant-based diet, not just with, you know, gastrointestinal issues, but, you know, virtually mm-hmm. every other aspect of the body is it lowers inflammation. This, Absolutely. This diet does, so it kind of stands to reason that mm-hmm. here you go, you're going to have less inflammation, you're going to have less flare-ups, you're going to have a better shot at going into remission, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's that's fascinating. All right, so 25-year-old guy, and this this is a relatively new case. This was only, what, five years ago, less than five years ago mm-hmm. now? So this, I, I hope that he's graduated from medical school. I don't know where he is today, <laughs> but, I mean, if he becomes a GI doctor, man, anybody is going to be really lucky to have this guy, right? Absolutely. This happened in 2017. 2017. So it's only two years ago. Okay. Wow. And... Uh, uh, it's an inspiration for everyone who's been struggling with Crohn's disease. That. Or, you know, you may know someone who's struggling like your friend. Uh, how did this pop up on your radar, just out of curiosity? When did you learn about uh, it? So, uh, Kelsey, who's the first author on the case report, mm-hmm. uh, was the person who uh, introduced the whole, pl- whole food plant-based diet to her friend. And she was interning with us, and she didn't have any experience with writing papers. And she just mentioned, uh, mentioned this story to me. And I said, well, you know, that's something that you should write a case, case study, case report on. And she said, well, I don't have any experience with that. Could you help me with that? I said, absolutely, I'll help you. So that's how we started. And uh, Get out of town. <laughs> this is okay. All we, right. we also included Dr. Desmond from the UK, mm-hmm. uh, who's a gastroenterologist and who also plans to do a study with a whole food plant-based diet uh, on Crohn's disease. So he, he's been very helpful on this case report, and we're looking forward to some more uh, updates. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I think that we, yeah, we should definitely keep an eye on, on, you know, the research that's going to be coming out on this, because I suspect that once this, you know, more and more people see this case study and and learn about it, they're going to say, hey, well, I want to look into this as well. What's the feedback been like? Have you, you know, gotten some questions and people reaching out? Uh, People are absolutely amazed and excited about the possibility of a complete remission through a dietary intervention. It's always so much fun when you're on the show. Thank you so much. You always bring such fascinating research to us. (laughs) Thanks so much, Chuck. 
The before and after pictures of the man's colonoscopy are just amazing. The actual transformation, jaw-dropping. It's really hard to believe that these photos are of the same person. You have to check them out for yourself. They are included in Dr. Kaliova's full study, and you can find a link to that right now in the show notes for this episode. A couple of other things that I wanted to touch on here. This reversal that she was talking about, it only took six months after he adjusted his diet and employed some lifestyle changes as well. So, he, yes, he improved his diet, but he also began to run and to lift weights. And just for good measure, he began doing a little bit of yoga as well. So why else is this important? It's not just about alleviating the symptoms of Crohn's. It's also about lowering the risk of other diseases as well. Check this out. According to the CDC, people who have Crohn's are at a higher risk for having heart disease and respiratory ailments, cancer, arthritis, kidney disease, and liver disease. And one last note from the study I want to make here. I'm actually going to quote here. Quote, despite current treatment regimens, only 10% of traditionally managed Crohn's disease patients achieve long-term remission. End quote. And then you look at a previous study that was conducted, one that Dr. Kaliova also cited in this case study. And that particular study found that more than 70% of newly diagnosed patients who went on the Crohn's disease elimination diet, they went into remission within six weeks. 70% of them, 70% of new patients. And then patients who have had Crohn's for some time, a length of time, 62% of them went into remission within that same six-week period. Really extraordinary stats. Now, Dr. Kaliova and her team, they say that more research is needed, but undoubtedly, they're onto something here because this looks to be very promising for future treatment. Next up in the exam room is Greg Roseboom. He's a young father and an entrepreneur. He was inspired to bring healthy eating to an area where those options, they were just sparse. He wanted to be able to go out to eat with his family and feel good about the food that was on the table. And so, Greg opened Fruitive. After meeting him over the summer, I decided that I had to go check out the store for myself. So, he and I sat down at the store in Virginia Beach so that he could share his extraordinary and touching story on the show. And we invited some listeners to join us that night as well. And the store was overflowing with people who were hungry for a little bite to eat and a whole lot of inspiration. You know, for years, Greg has been concerned about the effects that the meat industry has on the planet. And that was initially what drew him to a plant-based diet. But as he grew older, he waned a little bit from that plant-based diet and he began to notice that his health took a turn for the worse. Migraines began to take over his life. They were so severe that he would become nauseous. And on many occasions, he would actually throw up. And his wife then became so very concerned that she began to keep a food journal. And then they were able to draw the connection between how he felt and what he had been eating. And lo and behold, 
fast food and highly processed food, they appear to be major triggers for Greg's migraines. There's so much to this story, not just from the health standpoint, but also from the environmental one as well. I'll tell you the other thing that Greg said that really stuck with me that night was the story that he shared about his son accidentally leaving the water running overnight and the deduction that he was able to make from that and beef production. Really, really eye-opening. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll on location. I'm super excited to be down in my old stomping grounds of Virginia Beach at this wonderful organic plant-based restaurant, certified organic nonetheless, Fruitive, and I'm here with the founder, the CEO, Mr. Greg Roseboom. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Thanks, Chuck. Well, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. That's what I should really say. It's good to have you here. I, I just can't tell you how tickled I am to be here tonight because I grew up just across the water in Norfolk. And so, mm-hmm. like, to have this homecoming and to have so many wonderful people out here at Fruitive tonight, it really, it just means the world to me. I cannot thank you enough. Well, it's really, it's wonderful to have you, you know, here at Fruitive. We, um, this is our original location, um, started seven and a half years ago. And we have two locations in Norfolk and two locations in Washington, D.C., so... Um, I think you live in D.C. now. I do. I do indeed. Right? Yeah, man. The heart of it all. Um, I love sharing stories on this show. This show is all about providing hope and inspiration for people because a journey to health is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And for you, your story and why you founded Fruitive, I think, is just really extraordinary. You were not always a plant-based eater, right? Mm -hmm. So... Talk to me about growing up. What was the typical diet? So we grew up with, uh, you know, I'd say a standard American diet, although on the healthier end of the standard American diet. And what I mean by that is my dad always had this phrase, and I think I heard it every day growing up, and it was, eat your fruits and vegetables. And it was to the point where it was, you know, annoying as a kid to have your (laughs) dad always saying, eat your fruits and vegetables, And especially in the evenings, like I wanted ice cream, I wanted dessert. And he would be like, you can only have a carrot or you can only have a fruit and vegetable from the fridge if you want to eat tonight. And I'd just be like, ah, so frustrated Uh uh, by his uh, fruit and vegetable, you know, demands on me. And, you know, as I got older, I got into my teen years and my later teen years, I actually decided to go plant based and... Um, so I, my, my parents were encouraging it and my parents weren't a hundred percent plant-based, but I think they knew that fruits and vegetables are, are meant for the human body. Right. And, and so in my older teen years, I made the decision with the encouragement of my parents to go hundred percent plant-based and I was so excited eating these big salads and my parents are excited. And then I had an opportunity to, uh, to go to a friend's house and I was really tempted to, you know, break my plant-based diet, and I did. And I just immediately felt really guilty and ashamed. Why? You know, I, I believed plant-based was right. I believed that it was the right thing for me to do, and I, 
and I just embraced it with my whole heart. And so as soon as I broke that diet, just shame came in and mm. I was felt guilty for having a little butter on my toast. I had felt, felt guilty for, for, for drinking milk or eating, you know, pizza or having some meat. And, um, and that really started a two year process of me trying to eat plant-based and trying to be vegan, but always being tempted to eat what everyone else was eating. Sure. And it was really this really bad diet cycle of guilt and shame. And um, it wasn't healthy. Mm. It wasn't healthy because I was, I was feeling guilty every time I ate something that wasn't right and feeling in my mind wasn't right and, and feeling successful every time I, I ate that salad. And, uh, and, and so after about two years, I finally had enough of it. And I said, you know what? I had enough. This is what I said. I said, I've had enough salads in my life that I never eat, need to eat a salad again. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I just threw plant-based living out and just threw out the diet. I said, I'm not going to live my life chained to this diet, feeling guilty whenever I break it. And so that started me on a journey of, of just going to fast food restaurants and uh, buying the cheapest thing I could get, uh, which was usually McDonald's or Wendy's and uh, picking from the dollar menu. And I, I was so dumb that I didn't associate it, but all of a sudden I started getting headaches all the time. And as I kind of threw out salads and threw out healthy eating and said, I have enough of that, I'm not doing that anymore. And I just adopted fully the American diet of fast food restaurants. I started having headaches pretty consistently about three mornings a week on average. I was waking up with a headache, having a headache through the day. And, uh, and that lasted for, for many years. Wow. Finally, I got married and uh, my wife started trying to figure it out. We figured that the more I processed food I ate, the more often I would get headaches. And so she, we started dialing back on the processed foods, on the fast food. Um, we didn't go fully plant-based, but um, that was kind of uh, what led me to, to, um, you know, to starting the journey of eating healthier again after I got married. I, I want to go back to when you first decided to go plant-based as a teen. So this is 20-some-odd years ago at mm -hmm. this point. I mean, you're well ahead of the curve. Where did you even hear about this idea of plant-based eating at that point? Because, yeah, I know you said your dad said, eat your fruits and vegetables, but mm -hmm. you guys weren't 100% plant-based. So where did this all-in idea come from? You know, I, I believe that it was back then it was about the environment. There was a little bit of the environment, like feeling like plant-based was better for the environment as a older teenager and teenager. And, and then I think it was a lot of, it was the encouragement of my parents, just like encouraging me to eat healthy. We were juicing a lot at home. My parents had bought a juicer and, uh, and so, yeah, it was really just the, um, the encouraging my parents, I would say. So what were some of the facts and stats that were jumping out to you that led you to that decision as far as the environment? As far as the environment, you know, I've, a lot more research has come out now over the last 20 years. I think back then it, it was more just that there was 
I was concerned about the meat industry. I was concerned as a teenager about the potential devastation it had on, on our planet. And to be honest with you, that was uh, 20 to 25 years ago. And I can't remember the exact details sure. that, that led it, that led me to eating plant-based. I do know that now, uh, you know, there is a lot more research and a lot more facts that have been, that have come out lately, um, that I'm very passionate about sharing with others, you know, the, the effects on our planet of, of the meat industry. And I, I think that because you, you went plant-based because for, for environmental reasons, I mean, that's where that guilt stemmed from when you went back to eating the standard American diet or just going fast food crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of a, a difficult one. So let's, let's flash forward to those headaches. And I want to talk a little bit more about that process of how you were able to kind of whittle down to what you discovered as far as the link between food and your head hurting. So walk me through that again. I mean, you said that you just kind of discovered that it was processed food and some of the things that you were, mm -hmm. were eating, but you know, like get specific. When did the whole idea of what well, it is, what I'm eating, when did that pop in there? So it was after I got married, my wife was very concerned because sometimes my headaches were, they were almost always migraines. Mm. And they would be so incredibly painful. I would be throwing up and, and I couldn't have any light around me. Um, and if she touched me, I would just, I would, it would, it would hurt. And, and so it was very intense, uh, migraines. And I was I par partly because of the way my parents were always pushing to do things naturally. I didn't want to go get put on medication for the migraine. So I would take some Tylenol and, my wife was really concerned about the amount of headaches I was getting, the frequency. So she said, I'm going to start a food journal. And what she did is she started a journal where every time I ate, she would record exactly uh, what I ate. So if I was out, she'd just say, what did you eat today? This is what you ate for lunch. She would write it down. So as she began writing it down, she began tracing it to, oh, wow, you had McDonald's today and you got a headache right afterwards. Um, and you get a migraine the next morning that you woke up with. And so then she'd say, okay, let's cut this out. And then she'd make some food and she'd put like, uh, you know, some broth and she'd use some, uh, uh, cubes for the broth. And then I would get this massive migraine. And then she would say, oh, I wonder if it's the MSG. Mm. And, you know, the more we, we kept that food journal, the more she traced it back to highly processed foods all fast foods. I, I stopped going to any fast food restaurant. Um, and then she, when she did her grocery stop shopping, started buying more natural foods. Now at the time we didn't, we didn't go hundred percent plant-based, but she was, uh, at that time starting to go towards buying organic ingredients and cooking, you know, all of our food, food pretty much made fresh at home. And it didn't eliminate my headaches, but it definitely, brought my headaches from, you know, three or four times a week down to one or two times a week. That's, that's a pretty good improvement. I'm sure you'll take it. Was it hard for you to give up the fast food? Because giving up fast food for me was one of the hardest things in the world to ever do. And it, it, I think that it's that way for a lot of people because it, it can be so addictive. How was that for you? I think the pain of the migraine, as soon as my wife said, you know, it's it, every time you eat at a fast food restaurant, you're getting a migraine. It was like, I, the migraine headaches are painful enough where I was like, okay, I'm not going to fast food anymore. Right, right. 
And oh, so that's, that's what made it easy is there was a lot of pain involved in eating fast food, I realized. I can't imagine how badly your head must have hurt if you hurt to the touch. How were you able to still be productive? Because to me, that sounds like you just needed to like shut down the world and go into retreat and just stay in the dark until you felt better. Yeah, usually the migraines will last for, you know, I could get through the day. And then if it's an evening migraine, you know, I'd be, I'd be really, it'd be at its most intense level for about three to five hours. Wow. Wow. I don't say this jokingly, but, like, did you turn into one of those guys that wore sunglasses in, <laughs> indoors and all of that? Yeah, I would wear my sunglasses around a lot. Cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you're on this whole food discovery process. Did you start just devouring more and more information as you guys are, like, really kind of narrowing down exactly what's causing this? Is that when you started really going hard on research and trying mm-hmm. to figure out exactly what's happening here? Yeah, so by 2011... I would say that I, I came back to the place again in my life where I believe that plant-based was the best way to live. Mm-hmm. Now, even though I came to that place where I believe that, I didn't want to fully adopt it again because I thought I'd already done that before and it didn't work. And so I was like, okay, I believe plant-based is the best diet and I believe that would be the healthiest for me, but I don't want to go back to that I don't want to go back to another diet and be defined by what I'm eating. Right. So, well, here, here we are today sitting in your restaurant, a organic plant-based restaurant. So when did the concept come about that you decided to open Fruitive? Because, I mean, this is, especially down here in this area, when I was growing up, there were very few healthy options mm-hmm available and and you know we see a packed house tonight so clearly there's the appetite for it but when did the idea pop into your head like man i should really bring this to the community so the the idea popped in my head almost exactly eight years ago uh it was i i was thinking through the dates and it was the last day of october that i sold out of my uh, manufacturing company that was in chesapeake uh, virginia um, that's what brought me to this area as I started a manufacturing company with some partners and we needed to be close to the Elizabeth River because we were shipping our product to, to Europe. So I had moved here back in end of 2009, beginning of 2010 and did the manufacturing facility, um, built that up over the course of two years. Last day of October, I sold out of the partnership. And so first week of November, I remember you know, after two years of working very hard, I sold out and I remember thinking, what am I going to do with my life now? What's next? And I thought, why not do something that I, that I really enjoy? Why don't, why don't I do something I really believe in? It was, uh, November 8 or November 9, um, 2011. And I got a phone call from my parents my parents just happened to be traveling through another city and, uh, it was a big city. And they said, hey, Greg, can you go on the internet and help us find a healthy restaurant to eat at tonight? I can't remember if they said the word healthy or not, but I knew they would want something healthy. So <laughs> Eat I your said, vegetables, sure. Greg. Eat your vegetables. Exactly. So I get online and I start searching for a healthy restaurant and I couldn't find one. And I remember thinking, why are there not more healthy restaurants out there? And I had traveled a lot with my family and every time we went to, you know, on our trips around the country... There just was not very many options. And how many trips had I been on where we just went to the grocery store 
and bought produce and just made our own food because it was, you know, we, we didn't know, um, you know, how to find the healthy restaurants in the cities. And so with the internet, with um, Yelp and, and the searches, I tried to find a healthy restaurant for them and I just couldn't find one. Right. And I, I got off the phone with my parents and I said that I couldn't find a very healthy restaurant for them to eat at and I recommended maybe they should go to Whole Foods. Safe option. And I, and I remember sitting there thinking, why? Is there not more healthy restaurants? I want my parents to eat healthy. I want them to live a long and healthy life so they could be around as long as possible for me and my children. And, uh, and then it hit me. I said, I need to start a healthy restaurant. There it is. I need to start a plant-based organic restaurant where I know that every time my parents go there, that I feel good that my parents are eating something that's going to help them live a long and healthy life. And that was the first thought in my mind when, when this idea first hit me is it was, I want my parents to be around as long as possible. And it came full circle. Yeah. You know, it was, my dad had been pushing that on me all my life. And now here, you know, in my thirties, I finally realized I want my dad to be around as long as possible. And I want to give him a healthy restaurant. I want to create something and, and I have my own children. Um, I have five children and I thought I want a place that they can eat at and that I'm confident that what they're eating is good for their bodies. That I know every single ingredient is good for them. And I knew that was going to be the optimal, I knew the optimal diet. I knew it was going to be plant-based from day one, that it was going to be fruits and vegetables. And, uh, and, but, but I'll confess, I still wasn't hundred plant based. 100% plant-based when me, I started this. Yeah, let me let me stop you because I think that this is really an important part of your story that people need to pay attention to because it's a journey for a lot of people to get to being 100% plant-based. And there can't be that judgment as somebody's just getting going if they're only 5% there, 10% there, 80% there. They're trying, and this is so important. So... Listen carefully to what this man has to say. So I uh, decided to start Fruitive. I, I wasn't sure what the name was going to be, so I'll tell you how, how I came up with the name, thanks to a, a Google search. I got on Google, and I knew that the restaurant was going to be full of fruits and vegetables. And so I said, how can I combine those two words together? And I was searching for different words, and I was, I, I think I was in front of my computer for two or three hours searching about different combinations, and it was at night, and I'm trying to figure out what we're going to call this concept, and finally I typed in, I typed in fruit space veg, and, and, and it, nothing came up. So then, on a whim, I decided to do fruit space ve, and all of a sudden, Google says, did you mean fruitive? <laughs> and I said, what's that? So I click on it, and it was a dictionary word, and the dictionary word was fruitive. It comes from the word fruition, and fruitive means able to produce enjoyment or able to produce fruit. And I said, that's it. And so I quickly searched to see if the domain was available, and somebody was selling it for $999, and I bought it. Squatters. And, uh, and so thanks to a Google search, uh, did you mean fruitive? 
So that's uh, the name. Whenever I see it, it's a combination of, of fruit and vegetables, which is what my dad always said to me to eat my fruits and vegetables. So we started Fruitive, and uh, the opening of this location, um, we opened on May 25, 2012. And I didn't want to tell anybody we were opening. So we did zero advertising, and the reason is because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we're going to open this restaurant, and I'd never worked in a restaurant before, so we're just not going to tell anybody that we're opening. And hopefully, just a few people will walk in and we'll practice on them. <laughs> okay. So we, we had, I, I put brown paper uh, in the windows, and we put a little sign out there, and we, the day that we opened, we pull the paper out of the windows, and all of a sudden, everybody in the shopping center that had been curious of what the brown paper was doing in the windows for the last four months, they all decided to come. Mm. <laughs> and we ran out of all of our ingredients, Whoa. completely ran out. So after two days of not sleeping, I spent all night going and filling the carts with, with, uh, with, with bananas. I went to Trader Joe's and piled it high with bananas, the whole cart. And they looked at me like I was like I had a, like I had monkeys in my 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 backyard or something. And so I, I we we shopped and I got back here and we prepped everything. We got ready for the second day. And that second day we were open the 26. It was Memorial Day weekend. I I had to go back out in the morning to do a little bit more shopping. So I didn't sleep all night again for the third night. I pull up and we were supposed to open at 10. Mm -hmm. And it was 9:40. And I pull up, and there was a crowd of people waiting outside. Oh, man. And what happened is all the people that had come the day before decided to bring their family and friends. And I, I hadn't slept for four, de four days, so I had no emotional control. And I just, <laughs> there was a song on the radio, and the song was, It's All About Love. And I just broke down crying. Wow. I looked at the crowd of people outside, and I saw, you know, people embracing this idea of a healthy restaurant. And, uh, and I had done it because I love my parents, I love my family, and I love my community. And I wanted to treat my community the way I want my parents treated, the way I want my children treated. And I saw them embracing the concept right from the beginning. And so it was, um, you know, it, it, it hasn't been all peaches. <laughs> And greens, uh, <laughs> it hasn't been all peachy over the last eight years to build this to where we are today with five restaurants. But as far as uh, as far as going back to my diet, yes, long um, one, but let's yeah, let's definitely get back there. So when you opened, were you you, you weren't at that point one hundred percent plant based? I believed it was the optimal diet, right? But I hadn't embraced it fully myself, right? Okay, because I didn't want to be defined by my food. There we go. And I didn't want to go back into something where it was a guilt-shame thing, and I'm always tempted to, to eat the pizza or to eat the burger. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to start the plant-based restaurant because I believe that's the best. But I'm not going to embrace the lifestyle myself until I'm ready. Right. And I didn't know when that was going to be. So a year and a half ago, now I'll be honest, and I'm going to confess something. Here we go. Get it off your chest. You'll feel better, Greg. I, I had people come up to me and they said, are you vegan? Like customers coming up and they wanted to make sure that I was the real deal. Uh-huh. 
and and I and I would play games. You know, I'd be like, oh well, you know, I'd change the subject, and and so it was something where I had to like maneuver around a little bit, and uh, and so sometimes I would I would be caught by people like, you know, what are you doing? You know, eating meat, and you have a plant based restaurant, and so I didn't always know what the answer was, but I did know that when the time was right, I would. I would make that decision. Right. And so what happened is um, as, as I was building the company and the stress of building the company, the headaches continued. Usually it was one or two headaches a week, a migraine every couple weeks. Um, and because I'm the founder and CEO of a plant-based restaurant, I would read all the news. So as I was reading the news, I would see what PCRM was putting out. I would see other research coming out. I would read the books. And as I saw the research that was coming out and the facts behind how healthy a plant-based diet is, and as I saw the research on the environmental impacts of the meat industry, I just began to desire um, not to eat meat anymore. Right. I just lost the desire for it. I lost the desire for cheese. I lost the desire for milk. And around the time I turned 40, a year and a half ago, I finally got to the place where I just, I had no desire for it anymore. I don't feel like there was ever a time where I made a big decision. It was simply reading facts, uh, seeing the studies that were coming out, study after study. Right that was coming out that was showing how beneficial plant-based was for our, for our, for our bodies. It just, I had no desire for meat and dairy and cheese anymore. So that was about a year and a half ago. Um, another awesome thing that's happened in the last year and a half is even though I was eating for, you know, a good seven years, 90 to 95% plant-based because even though I was still eating meat and cheese and, and dairy, you know, it was only a very small part of my diet. Mm-hmm. Even though it was only a small part of my diet, I was still getting the headaches. Well, as soon as I went fully plant-based, the headaches stopped. Feeling, For feeling better. All summer last summer, I had zero headaches. The first headache I got was three months after, and it was because I didn't sleep enough and, uh, and other stressors in my life that caused it. And now to this day, the last year and a half, I might get one headache every one headache every couple months and usually I can trace it back to some other stressor in my life that caused it. Right. So for the first time I've been pretty much headache free for the last year and a half since going 100% plant based. You don't dance around that question from customers anymore, do you? <laughs> no, but I don't have to, I don't have to play games anymore. Uh, but the, I, w- I want to go back before we wrap this up to the environmental aspect which is so important to you as well and I don't think that a lot of people realize just how much water it takes to produce a single pound of ground beef and, and you kind of had this epiphany you had something happen at your house mm-hmm. that you, you kind of share the story with people and it's like oh wow that's how much goes into that one hamburger mm-hmm. tell us about that so my I have a five-year-old and uh, we, we had this outdoor faucet and the five-year-old was playing outside and uh, one evening. And then we all came in. We, we had dinner together, went to bed. And around maybe, you know, sometime in the early morning hours, 
I was laying there awake and I heard this strange noise. And I was like, what is that? And come to find out, my five-year-old had left the faucet on all night long. Oh. So that hurt. And I was just like, oh, wasted all that water. So I decided to do the math. How much water did we waste that night? And the math was 2,000 gallons of water that just ran out. And then I looked online and I did the calculation and actually that's just, that's just a, a small meal of beef. It's like a pound of beef, if that. It takes 2,000 gallons of water to grow what it takes to grow the feed for the beef, what it takes to you know, give the beef, uh, the, the water, all that that goes into getting, you know, that meal on our plate when we eat beef is about 2,000 gallons of water. And so the next time you eat, you know, your hamburgers, just, you know, think about it. It's like leaving the faucet running all night long. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That That is extraordinary to me. I think also just I feel like we all as humans are responsible for this earth, every one of us. There's no one else that's going to take care of the earth. We humans are it. Mm -hmm. And so when we see things like the deforestation that's happening around the world, and we see you know, how much forests and rainforests are being decimated in order to make room for the meat industry, you know, we have to be concerned. And each one of us makes a choice every time we eat, you know, is this meal helping the planet or not? And so it really has become something, I don't want anyone to feel ashamed. Like I went through that. I became plant-based once and I filled my, my heart with shame every time I didn't eat right. And I don't want anyone to feel that way. So at Fruitive, we've always been very careful. Like we're not going to shame anybody. Everybody's welcome. Absolutely. But at the same time, we have to open our eyes to the impact that the meat industry is having on our planet and on the environment and, and on the human bodies. Um, so it really has over the years, um, you know, become something that I'm extremely passionate about is what can each one of us do um, for the planet? The number one thing you can do for the planet is going plant-based. Do it for your planet, do it for your health, do it for so many reasons. Um, and so now Fruitiv has grown. You planted the seed here at the Virginia Beach location. You guys have expanded nicely. How many stores do you have now? We have five locations now, including two in Washington, D.C., one here in Virginia Beach, two in Norfolk. And uh, we're just starting to franchise this fall. We already have some cities lined up that want to bring Fruitive to their cities. So we're really excited about our, um, our future growth. That's ex man, that's exciting. And this is a passion project for all the right reasons for you, Greg. Thank you so very much for taking the time. By the way, uh, you should go back and listen to an old episode of the podcast that I did with Dr. Barnard. We released it on Earth Day this year. It's called, What If the Whole World Went Vegan? Mm. And Neil and I spent the better part of an hour just going over what would happen if, in fact, the whole world went vegan. People did a study. People much smarter than I am actually took the time to examine that. It was a big study that was released. And so we talked about all of that and his upbringing in the cattle industry. And it was just like really, really interesting stuff. So if, if you or anybody else is interested in the benefits of a plant-based diet for environmental reasons, 
That is the show for you, my friend. What was the name of that one? If What if the whole world went vegan? Cool. It's a good question to ask. It's a good question to ask. But Greg Roseboom, thank you so very much for your time. And thank you so very much for letting us bring the show to Fruitive here in Virginia Beach. It was such an honor to have Greg on the program and to be able to take the show out on the road. You know, I love being able to get out there and to meet you guys. I met so many wonderful people in Virginia Beach, and it's really so touching that you would be willing to take a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to come out and to say hi and to learn more about your health and to get some inspiration. I love it. It meant the world to me. So thank you so very much to everyone who came out that night. And if you would like for us to come out and do a show in your neck of the woods, we would love to try to make that happen as well. Whether it's a veg fest or another restaurant, we want to reach out there and touch somebody. So find us on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. You can also find me on Facebook. Send me a message and let's try to make that happen. You can find the Physicians Committee as well at PCRM and at Physicians Committee on Instagram. We've got a big show coming up this Thursday as well. Thursday, November 14th, Dr. Neil Barnard, he will be stopping by for a chat at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time in honor of World Diabetes Day. More than 100 million adults in the U.S. are now either diabetic or pre-diabetic, and that is an alarming statistic. People are putting their health and their lives in jeopardy. But we have the power to change that, and that is what Dr. Barnard and I will be discussing. What causes diabetes? Is it sugar like we've been led to believe? And what can we do to prevent it? a lot of my family members had diabetes, does that mean that I'm destined to have it as well? And how can a plant-based diet in many cases fully reverse diabetes? Interesting stuff there. We're going to be delving into all of it. So mark your calendars. Thursday, November 14th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to be streaming the show live on Facebook, Dr. Barnard's Facebook page. Go there right now. Like that page so you don't dare miss the show. And then next week on the exam room, we will be taking a look at one of the things you guys request a ton. Gluten. What is it with the gluten-free craze? Are really all of us that sensitive to it? Or is this gluten thing a nutrition myth run amok? Dietitian Lee Crosby will be here with the answers. This is where the plot starts to thicken a lot. Here we go. There was a 2017 systematic review. They looked at 10 double-blind placebo-controlled trials of gluten specifically. And this was in people who had non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And they found that only 16% of those people who had this diagnosis um, had symptoms when they were challenged with gluten in a placebo-controlled trial. So they didn't know if they were getting gluten or not. What's interesting is that 40% of them had a nocebo response. So basically, the way to look at this is that they had the same or increased symptoms in response to a placebo as they did to the gluten. So gluten in a pill, placebo in a pill, or sometimes a gluten-free muffin versus a gluten-containing muffin, they were having 
the same or increased symptoms in response to both. So if 1% of the population has celiac, right. another 1% has wheat, and maybe we'll just double that and say another 2% yep. has some sort of non-celiac gluten sensitivity, right? right? So that's still 4%. Right. Why then is this whole no-gluten diet so popular? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I actually have some really good ideas. It's just, it's so popular. Like it, it is. Sort of, it just boggles my mind. That's more what I'm trying to get at. Fun fact, in 2016, $15.5 billion spent on gluten-free foods. That was more than double the amount spent in 2011. I'm so sorry, this 15 is like $15.5 billion? billion. So this with is, a B. Yeah, with a B. The Jeez B kind. Louise. Yeah, so this is like a, this is a lot of money. And as you know, there are all kinds of claims attached to this. Gluten. Just the facts. That is on next week's show. So make sure that you subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts and wherever shows are available. And please also give us a five-star rating because when you do, you help us reach as many people as possible with this myth-busting and life-improving information. And the higher our rankings because of those five-star ratings, the more eyes and the more ears will get this information. And your help, it goes a long way toward helping making someone's life a little bit healthier. And that's going to do it for us this week. My thanks again to Dr. Hanna Kaliova and to Greg Roseboom for joining us. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based.